Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying Global Supply Chain Week. Uh, my name is Greg Miller. I'm a senior editor with Freight Waves and American Shipper. Uh, and I am speaking with Patrick Berglund, the CEO of Zanetta, joining us all the way from Oslo, Norway. Uh, Patrick, great to speak with you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good to see you again, Greg, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, so uh, we are going to be speaking about ocean freight rates, both short-term rates and long-term rates. Um, uh, but before we get to that, um, Patrick, tell us a little bit about Zaneta and what it does. Yeah, Zaneta collects um, primarily uh, market rates for uh, ocean and air freight. And we our key source for, for that data is the, the BCO and the shipper side. So we, we go to the buyer side and, and we get their long-term contracts. And we also work with the carriers, we work with the uh, folders and also collect the short-term data. Now, all of this data alongside reliability data, capacity data, emission data, we put into our platform to provide market intelligence that these players can use to make better decisions. All right, so let's start out on the short-term spot side. And since we're gonna be talking about actual rates, let's let's date this conversation. We're speaking on February 8th. Um, now on the short-term side, uh, let's begin with the big Asia-US market, the Asia West Coast spot uh, market. And if I think back to last year, uh, it you know it it went you know, these rates went down through the year. I think in the spring they sort of surprised people by not coming down faster, and then in August and September and October they surprised people by coming down very very fast. Uh, they seem to have stabilized a bit late November, December, uh, and and January. Uh, looking at your data, uh, what did you see with the Asia West Coast short term market, and do you believe that we've hit the bottom? Well, it's it's hard to argue that we're at least not close to the bottom because uh, the alternatives now starts to become more or less for cheap, right? If I look at the spot market average, right, you you'll get you get around fifteen hundred, fourteen, fifteen hundred US dollars. But if you look at the lower end of the market, it's it's closing in on a thousand dollars per forty foot container. So it's not a lot more here for the carriers to give. And obviously, historically, we've we've seen them we've seen them sell at the loss-making rates. So I'm not saying necessarily it's the bottom, but from a sustainability point of view, uh, considering that the shippers, um, the BCOs would like the carriers to be around, uh, we're getting into a painful area on the on the spot market. That being said, their, their wallets are quite sizable uh, considering the last previous two years. Uh, that's been quite a boom for them. Yeah, so let's look at a, a, a totally different example as a contrast. The um, Europe to East Coast transatlantic westbound. This market has behaved completely differently. It peaked later uh, and it's coming down and coming down fast, but it's still, as of today, way above pre-COVID levels. What are What's your data showing on that market and why do you think that's behaved so differently? Well, from a pattern point of view, it it, it looks very similar just with the time lag. And we had that when, when, the, when the significant increases started to come around, we, we, we could see that as well. Not all trade lanes move uh, at once in the, at the same point of time, but there's a few things happening here, right? First and foremost, I wanna point out that it's significantly softening, both on the contract side and on the spot uh, market side. And especially if you look at the lower end of the spot market, that's, uh, spot market, that's where they really started to give in now. Um, and we can see that sort of falling off uh, very quickly from from the peak that we've had mid last year. Now, there's there's a few things. There's been 
for instance, U.S. importers looking for alternatives to source uh, cargo coming out of Far East Asia, right? So demand has been sort of artificially high. Then on the supply side, there's there's fewer shipping lines operating on this trade, uh, or there's two carriers controlling such a portion of the market that it's arguably a little bit easier to to uh, prohibit the, the significant fall in the, in the shorter run. Inevitably, it, it comes around for this trade as well, especially considering that you want to reposition some of your capacity that doesn't yield that kind of profit on the, the Trans-Pacific or, or Asia to Europe anymore, and you put it onto these trades, and then you create that sort of overcapacity situation on, on these trades as well. And that's why it's softening now, but with the delay because of some of these previous conditions that I mentioned. So just to give you some numbers, we're seeing uh, average spot mark, uh, market going from 8,600, 700 US dollars to sitting at today at 5,004. So that's quite a significant drop, but the lower end of the market sits at 3,009. So the spread between what the average spot market price is and the lower end is, is pretty significant in this case. Yeah, and when we talk about spot rates, uh, it, you know, the conversation inevitably turns to carrier capacity management and their ability to blank sailings and put a floor on all this. I mean, as they did so well in the second quarter of 2020 during the initial COVID lockdowns, there's been some people that think they haven't been quite as, quite as aggressive uh, as they could have been uh, towards the end of last year. Um, are you seeing anything on capacity management that makes you feel one way or the other on how they're how they're doing it this time around? It, 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 let's let's first linger a little bit on on 2020 because I I find that interesting because we I agree with uh, what you're saying but I'm wondering whether it was a move of 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 fear when COVID hit they we all expected consumption to drop significantly right uh, rightfully so given uh, given what we what we forecasted to be the the future here, but what happened is that they they pulled out as much as they could be, because they were scared that the volumes wouldn't be there. But it, then it turned out it was more volumes than in a normal market, significantly more over time, and that's what's created the uh, uh, the squeeze rather than necessarily shrewd business behavior, right? And and this time around. It, it's almost a little bit opposite because now it's less volume than anybody anticipated and they can't quickly enough pull out the capacity, even though they know that that's the, the recipe to turn this around, right? And, and I think we're seeing significant blankings, right? But we, we do not see enough. And with the fact that there, there's a lot of shippers that stocked up heavily over the last, I would say, even 12 months in order to try and deal with the the supply chain issues they had in the previous 18 to 24 months. And now they're sort of emptying as much stock as they possibly can because they're looking at a we weaker economy and, and, and uh, for themselves as well, which gives almost an artificially low demand side for, for the carriers to operate with. And one final item I, I would also like to sort of point out is that going through COVID, there was so many that sort of, you know, bought a new uh, oven or any kitchen appliances or whatever, but it, there's so many products that you don't need two and three of, right? And this is now kind of creating a, um, an artificial reduction in demand because we, we've kind of brought forward a lot of the stuff that we would buy more on average in a normal market. And, and that is a very hard uh, market to operate uh, in for the carriers at the moment. And uh, 
it's it's very tough to balance supply with demand, and that's the challenge they're facing. And we're not seeing uh, significant measures uh, applied in order to to turn the market around for now. Yeah, I mean, uh, before we get to long term rates, you brought up uh, the point of demand, and I want to get into that a little bit more. I mean, because there is this uh, you know debate over what's happening here. To what extent is this uh, demand that's that's been lost due to some sort of economic pressure or what have you? And to what extent is this a, a timing issue, an issue, uh, an inventory situation? And I know that you speak a lot and do uh, various surveys uh, with your customers and business partners. And I'm wondering, you know, where do they, you know, before we get to the long-term rates, where do they stand on on demand? Because this goes to, you know, how 2023 could play out. Yeah, and I think we, we're we're polling our audience uh, or our customer base um, on a monthly basis, asking these questions: What's your expectations in terms of your annual volumes? And there's a significant portion, about a third, that is seeing uh, or expecting reduced volumes for 2023. Right. So <clears throat> it's it's debatable whether we you know going in for a soft landing or whether we're going to see recession and all of that. It still remains to be seen a little bit. But what I think is pretty obvious that is that it takes a quite some time for for everything to sort of wash through the system, um, which means that I think we will see reduced demand for 2023, maybe, you know, into 2024. And then we will see sort of a stronger uh, market again, because then consumption might uh, pick up again at, in, in terms of being enough that it has a positive uh, impact for the carriers. That being said, I, I think most people are not aware of the fact that the market was actually more volatile pre-pandemic than it was through the pandemic. If you measure vol- volatility as percentage movement per day, the only thing that happened through the pandemic is just moved in one direction, first upwards and then just downwards to, an, to, to extreme levels. But what we're looking at now is a market, if, if it returns to somewhat of the pre-pandemic one, we return to a market that is much more unstable on a daily basis, either up or down in terms of percentage movements. And that's a tricky market to operate in, which is going to create a, a lot of um, confusion and uh, uncertainties uh, on the buy side in particular. But I think we're going to be within a much lower bandwidth uh, until, let's say, mid-2024 than, than what we've seen historically, especially over the last few years, of course. Okay, so let's turn to to the long-term rates where, uh, you know, Zanetta really has a lot of insight. Um, uh First on the 2022 Trans-Pacific rates that, you know, many of which were negotiated uh, May to May, um, you know, there's been some conflicting reports on on how, how they've held. Uh, you know, in that market, the spot rates went well below the contract rates that were re- negotiated last year. Uh, and in certain cases, for example, Zim on their conference calls, they were quite open about the fact that, you know, they went to their long-term customers and they renegotiated those long-term rates down in mid-contract to compensate for the drop in the spot rates. And then you heard a sort of a different message on the Hopig Lloyd and, and Maersk calls where they were basically saying that their contract rates held. And looking at the fourth quarter results of Hopig Lloyd uh, and, and Maersk that just came out, it does look like they, they did largely hold on, on, at least on their contracts. Uh, but, but your data really provides a lot of insight on this. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what you're seeing sticking to the 2022 uh, contracts that may still be in play here. Um, to what extent do you see them holding or or, or crumbling? Well, absolutely. We, we, see a, we see a combination of, of it all, just to be clear. 
Some will completely renegotiate and insist on that. Some carriers uh, uh, didn't budge and, and agreed to that in the first attempt, second attempt, but maybe moved in the third attempt from the shippers, right? Or the BCOs. And then we see BCOs who's uh, delivered some of the volume to the contracts and moved some on the spot market. And then we've seen others who's just been completely loyal to the, whatever contract they had, right? So it's, it's a huge spread between the behavior of the, the BCOs. Some have been waiting to stick it back to the carriers and others have uh, remained very loyal and, and, and uh, consider more a long-term partnership sort of uh, mindset to this, right? Now, through this period, if you look at the lower end of the contract market, there are players who hasn't seen remotely the same price increases as the average players. Right? Just to be clear, right? So there's substantial price increases on the um, short-term average and long-term average, and also on the lower end of it, but not nearly what, what these other reference points are showing. Now, as the market has gone down, the lower end of the uh, long-term market still sits below the short-term average. That means that big volume U.S. importers, in this example, is still paying be below the market average spot. But if you apply the spot short-term uh, short low end to this equation, then they get sort of balanced, right? So those who achieve the best spot rates versus those who have the best uh, or lowest paying, uh, lowest sitting long-term rates, those, those are find themselves today in, in the approximately the same area. What I think is interesting is that you're absolutely right that to some extent, Q4 long-term rates held up but if I look at what's happened from December to January, the average has gone from five and a half thousand US dollars to three thousand seven hundred, and then dropping again in February to two thousand six hundred. That is quite a quick, rapid decline of the long-term rates as well. So by the time they start reporting Q1 results, we're going to see uh, a big change in that from what we saw in Q4. Yeah, and, and looking at the timing here, I mean, I understand that, you know, uh, not all uh, annual contracts are are negotiated on this schedule of Asia, Europe, January 1st, Asia, U.S., May 1st, but 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 a lot of them are. And, uh, you know, I, I assume then that the Asia, Europe, January 1st process um, has, is, is pretty much concluded here. Um, and I'm wondering... Uh, have you seen anything, and I understand this is a different market than, than Asia, U, than Asia, US, but do you see anything in what happened on the Asia Europe negotiation process that we can you know, sort of glean anything for and get any messages for the Asia, uh, the upcoming Asia US contract negotiations? Yeah, it's been, it's, listen, it's been a downward pressure all the way uh, for the long term contracts since the peak in, in 2022 as well. But if I just look at it since September, right, the end of, end of Q3, uh, and then looking at what has happened when Q3 was wrapped up and what has happened when Q4 was wrapped up going into this year, we see like two major steps down. One that is going from like $9,000 average for the long-term contract down to 6,800, and then another step down to 2,900, right? And then in Feb, there's even more long-term contracts coming into play that is dragging this uh, market, uh, market average for long-term down to 2,400. So if you look at that in percentage terms, that is reducing those rates with 72% since September until February. So, you know, pretty obvious to expect the, the same 
uh, movements on, on the Trans-Pacific one. But I do want to highlight that those long-term rates that we can already see from that sort of peaked um, in, in May, April last year, is, is non-existing in, by, in February on the Trans-Pacific one. And, and that one is down with um, 69% already. So there is not a lot more to, 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 to push down when we get to April, May. Yeah, and and uh, just was just listening to the mayor's call today, and they predicted that uh, they they see throughout the year that that contract rates are ultimately going to come down and converge with spot rates. But you know, from your perspective, I wonder if you have any thoughts, just in general, on um, you know if you're looking at where contract rates are going to be, you know, percentage wise this year versus the peak of of 2022. You know, how significantly do you see them falling, and do you see them? Still being above the, uh, you know, this sort of the 2019 pre-COVID, or going all the way back? No, it, it's uh, it's it's more or less all the way back now. It's we're talking about marginal uh, differences, and even if you go back to 18, 17, you'll find peaks that are way above what we're currently looking at. So, uh, on these trades, and, and not the transatlantic one, right? This is important to understand. On these two frontals that we're discussing, Asia, Europe, Asia, US, we're already give or take back to pre-COVID levels. And then especially if you talk about pre-COVID levels to be more than just 2019, right? So um, I expect them to drop down to short-term market average. But from there, the big volume BCOs are not satisfied. If the spot market stays there, they will, um, they will require a discount versus small volume importers and exporters, right? And that's, that's something historically the carriers have agreed to because they move more volume and they have a bigger spend with them. So the, the co- biggest concern that the carriers should have is how, how, how can they jack up that short-term markets to avoid massive losses on those long-term contracts that will be forced upon them? Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be an interesting time. And I think that this all goes back to the, the relationship uh, between the carriers and the shippers. And, you know, this was an, has always been a strained relationship and, uh, it was an extremely strained relationship during the you know sort of the COVID boom with the with the the very very low service levels and the extremely jacked up pricing, uh, and then we have the situation now where the tables have turned. Um, so just to just to wrap things up, if we could talk about you know where you see the relationship uh, between uh, shippers and carriers, uh, you know how they feel towards each other. Um, you know, and how can, can this can this can this relationship ever be brought back together again? Well, yeah, it's a great question. I think the, the relationship in, in many ways is very transactional, right? And they treat each other differently depending on whether it's a buyer's market or a seller's market, right? And um, in one in, in one side of it, when it's a, a buyer's market, the customers has all the power. And, and vice versa when it's a seller's market, as we clearly saw, because the sellers can then offer a much weaker product at a much higher price. So it's very counterintuitive. Now, I've always been, I've always been an advocate for sort of hoping that they can find a, bit, a different way of dealing with each other. But I realized that it will only be possible if you find pricing mechanisms that take the short-term market movements into equation. Because the temptation for a shipping line to not pick up a cargo at a $2,000 contract when the spot market is at 10 is too big. And I can arguably understand that because for many, many, many periods of time and years and years, they've lost money. So whenever there's an opportunity to make a sizable amount of money, they need to seize it. 
And um, that means from a buyer's point of view that you need to find a mechanism that sort of regulates your price within a certain bandwidth so that you're never necessarily the lowest paying one, but your service is sort of regular and intact whenever the peaks or, or, or drops uh, plays in, right? And, and, and that's challenging to, to, you know, have a belief as to whether they will make that work or not. But I believe there is more interest now in evaluating index mechanisms in the contracts than we've seen ever before. But whether they're able to make that leap remains to be seen. Yeah, well, uh, you know, exciting times and a lot of changes both on the on the on the spot side and the long term side. So, as always, uh, Patrick, great to speak with you, and uh, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for inviting me, Greg. A pleasure as always.